At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Welcome to the Hornets Hivecast, presented by Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates. The official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. Here's your host, Rob Longo. Hi, friends, and welcome to today's edition of the Hornets Hivecast, the official podcast of the Charlotte Hornets, presented by Senta. Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates are the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care providers of the Hornets. Rob Longo with you today after Charlotte's 120 to 106 loss on the road at Staples Center against the Clippers. Yes, it is sadly another silver linings edition of the HHC as the Hornets drop their fourth straight game. We'll break this one down, provide you with our silver linings, and not only are we recapping last night's game, but it's a game day edition of the HHC as well as the Hornets take on the Los Angeles Lakers at 10.30 tonight, so another late night here in the Queen City, and helping me break this all down, we're going to flip the script a little today here on the Hornets Hivecast, as Sam Farber joins me as my guest. The first question I have to ask, though, Sam, does it feel a little weird being on that side of the podcast today? It's a little odd, but hey, we've taken the training wheels off, you are ready to roll with this, and it is my pleasure and privilege to be your guest for a change here on the HHC. I love it. Let's go ahead and recap this one for you. The Hornets got off to a much better start than they have the last couple of games, putting up 39 points in the first quarter and led by eight after the first frame. LaMelo Ball had 13 points in the first quarter, going five of seven from the floor. Quick outlet to LaMelo Ball. Thought he might have Rozier, but he puts the gun back in the holster on the pass. Now has a step back three on the way. It's good. Nothing but nylon. Rip the net cord. LaMelo Ball, eight early. Charlotte with an 11-point lead. The offense fell off in the second quarter for Charlotte, getting outscored 30-19 to in the second stanza. The Hornets led momentarily in that second quarter, but Mello had to go to the bench after picking up his third foul. With five minutes of play in the half, he had 17 points already at that point. Charlotte did not get much luck heading into the locker room either as Terrence Mann drilled a 37-footer as time expired, which allowed the Clippers to take a 61-58 lead into the break. The Hornets whittled down that deficit to two in the third quarter thanks to some strong play by Gordon Hayward. 10-second game clock shot clock differential they bounce it down to Hayward Hayward on the low block Hayward positions up with the right hand floats it in yes plus the foul again 
Another three-point play opportunity. Gordon Hayward getting comfortable in the low post. Hayward had 10 points in the third quarter alone, and the Hornets trailed by two going into the fourth quarter, but that deficit did not last very long. Terry Rozier starting the fourth quarter with a lob for Miles Bridges. Oh, my goodness. He thunders it down to tie the game. A Dr. Pepper dunk, and that was the full two-liter. That play tied the game at 89. It sparked the Hornets to a 17-2 run, but the Clippers came back with a 13-0 run of their own to take a four-point lead with four minutes to play. That run extended to a 22-0 run, and the Hornets fell 120-106. to Here's what James Borrego had to say last night after the game about what went wrong in the fourth quarter. Well, we got up by nine, you know, six points, six minutes to go. I'll take that any day. You know, up nine, they made shots and we did it. I think at the end of the day, I'll watch the film and see what happened. But they came down, they had a five-point possession, flagrant foul. I think we had a layup on the other end to go up 11. They come down, flagrant foul. That's two points, plus they hit a three on the next possession. That's a five-point swing right there. And then I think they hit another three to cut it to one quickly. From there, we just couldn't find any offense. We had some good looks, you know. I like the looks we got. They knocked theirs down. We did not in the last six minutes. But like I said, you know, earlier, we won the points in the paint, the second chance, the fast break. We got 15 more shots on goal than them. And we won the turnover game by seven turnovers. That's a pretty good night. We just got to close out those last six minutes. Sam, we'll get into our silver linings here in a few, but let's break this one down first. Going cold down the stretch to the tune of a 22-0 run at the end of the fourth quarter is obviously not ideal, but the Hornets put themselves in that situation because of a few different instances, such as the amount of turnovers they had in the first half, paired with some three-point shooting in the second and third quarters also. Yeah, I think those were, were two pretty big glaring deficiencies at different points in the game. I do agree with JB. At the end of the night, they were up nine. They were in control with about six, six and a half minutes left to go, and, and that's when things turned. And no matter how you got there, you ended up at that point. But you're right. In the first half, they had some major turnover issues, which they cleaned up in the second half to their credit and ended up winning that category by a large margin. They also didn't shoot the ball particularly well from three. That's surprising. 30% from distance is well below their season average. They're still one of the elite three-point shooting teams in the NBA, but clearly outshot by the Clippers on this night. I do think, you know, the two major issues, one is obviously the scoring drought, and it it goes to show how good of an offensive team the Hornets are, that they could go six minutes without making a field goal in the fourth quarter and still end up with 106 points. But that was a major problem for them, keeping control of the game. And also, I think defensively, I I think with the rule changes, with the slight alterations, teams are not routinely getting to 120, and it's becoming all too easy for opponents of the Hornets to get there. So I think that is a primary thing moving forward that they have to figure out. But on last night's game, I do think the offensive lapse in the fourth quarter was the primary culprit as to why they went down to the Clippers. To me, it was definitely the cold shooting, especially there in the fourth quarter. The Hornets were 6 of 11 from beyond the arc in the first quarter alone. The second quarter, they were 0 for 6 from 3. That drought went all the way to the midway point of the third frame when Gordon Hayward hit a 3 around the 6-minute mark. As a whole in the second half, the Hornets were 4 of 16. Now, sure, some of those 3-point attempts in the fourth quarter were desperation heaves, not the greatest quality of looks, trying to mount that comeback, but the overall body of work doesn't fare well for a team that had the best three-point percentage in the association heading into last night's game. No, it didn't. But at the end of the night, you can't rely on your sharpshooters to shoot 40% from three every night. It's just, it's, it's unlikely to happen. You can't rely on your ability to score 124 to beat a team that's going to score 120 against you. At, at, at some point, they have got to turn a corner here defensively. And quite frankly, that team is in there. 
there. We saw it early in the season with the performance against Indiana in the opener, with what they did at Cleveland, with what they did at Brooklyn. There is a good defensive team on that Hornets roster, and it's just a matter of finding it consistently. I don't think they had a particularly good night defensively against the Clippers. Part of that is Paul George is an elite shot maker, and Nicholas Batum's. you tip your cap to them, and, and you know, their NBA elites for a reason. But I do think that the Hornets defense, it's now happened continuously enough where it's become more of a red flag. And uh, it's, again, not something insurmountable, but it is something to be concerned about at this point. And until they find a way to hold teams under 120, this losing trend uh, might continue for a little while. As soon as they can figure it out again, the offense is there. This team does not have a problem scoring points. Uh, it's simply they can't get into this much of a shootout night after night and expect the opposition to not hold up their end of the bargain. Miles Bridges, after last night's game, talked about what this team needs to do differently in order for the result to be different moving forward. Play our game. I mean, we, we got ahead by moving the ball, uh, making smart plays. We should have just stuck to that. We tried to up our lead instead of being conservative. We know what we got to do, man. We're still learning each other. I mean, we're, what, 10, 11 games in, 11 games in, so he's got to keep in better. That's the thing here, Sam, too. When you take a look at the box score, too, the Clippers turned the ball over a good amount. They had 20 turnovers. It resulted in 30 points for the Hornets. Charlotte ended up with 13 steals. It just seems like right now it's just too many open looks and too many golden opportunities for the other team to score the basketball. Yeah, I mean, a 30-point quarter is not an average thing. And we're in a different era of the NBA. I mean, it used to be, I don't know, 15 years ago, before the Splash Brothers, that a 40-point quarter was unheard of. A 30-point quarter meant you were really scoring the ball at a high clip. We're in a different time now. 40-point quarter is more like, wow, that was impressive. 30-point quarter happens more often, but it shouldn't be routine, and it's happening a little too routinely against the Hornets right now. So I would agree with Miles. I would agree with JB. I don't think this game was lost per se because of the defense. I think it was the offensive drought in the fourth quarter, as they alluded to. But if you're consistently giving up 30-point quarter after 30-point quarter, at some point the dam is just going to break, and your offense, as great as the Hornets is, might not come up with the answer. They had it in the first quarter. They had it in the third quarter. Down the stretch, fourth quarter, that six-minute drought cost them. But part of that is the pressure that's applied when you're routinely giving up that many points. For what it's worth, the Clippers last night scored 30 points or more in three out of the four quarters. The only time they did not was the third quarter, and they put up 28. For what it's worth, Charlotte put up 30 points just once with a 39-point first quarter. Hornets fall 120-106. to Lamella Ball and Miles Bridges each had a blackjack 21. Those were tied for a game high on the other side. For the Clippers, it was Paul George who had 20 points for the Clippers. So once again, Hornets fall 120 to 106. We'll give you our silver linings next right here on the Hornets Hivecast presented by Senta. I'm not anti-aging. I'm pro looking my best. Getting cosmetic surgery at Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates has me looking young again and filled with the confidence I need to take on the day. 
From Botox to rhinoplasty to facelifts, Senta offers facial plastic surgery from specially trained eye and ENT doctors who are familiar with how all parts of the face work. Feel like you once did. Schedule your appointment today at ceenta.com slash appointments. Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates. They just make sense. Rob Longo and Sam Farber with you here on today's edition of the Hornets Hivecast. The Hornets fall 120-106. to And of course, with a loss, Sam, this is the time that we hand out our silver lining. So as you being the guest of honor today, I will allow you to go first with your silver lining. Well, I will take the opportunity gladly. I'm going to go with LaMelo Ball for this one. LaMelo returning home to Los Angeles. There were a lot of LaMelo Ball jerseys, a lot of teal at Staples Center. This is a guy who has captivated the crowd, but this is home and this is the first time in his career he really got to play in front of his home faithful. And it was exciting to see, and it was exciting to see him kind of live up to the moment out there. He had 17 points in the first half. He shot the ball brilliantly. He had a couple of threes in that opening stanza. Really looked good out there shooting the basketball. He even had one taken off the board because of an illegal screen, or else he would have gone for 24 in this one. But leading score, seven rebounds. Yeah, you know, only three assists. Some of those passing lanes were taken away, and the two turnovers were a bit problematic. But overall, I thought LaMelo Ball played a really good game, and it's exciting to see him come back to Los Los Angeles in particular. There's nothing quite like going home. I was happy that he had that type of performance on that type of stage. Would have been better to end it in the win, but LaMelo Ball is my silver lining from last night. For my silver linings, I have two of them. The first one I will get to, though, because I want to get your thoughts on this, is Nick Richards. He played 13 minutes last night. Most of it was in the first half. He got thrown in there a little bit there in the third and fourth quarter, but for the most part, he was the most effective in the first and second quarters. He was 3-3 of from the floor, 6 points, He did have a couple of fouls, but when you're playing physical, those are going to happen. Not as many rebounds as you would hope. He only had two, but again, limited run for Nick Richards. He's been the kind of guy that has been called upon with the way that P.J. Washington has missed several games here at the beginning of the season. Of course, P.J. was out last night, and we weren't really sure what was going to happen before the game even started yesterday because Mason Plumlee was probable with a couple of bruised ribs. He was downgraded to questionable before the game. He ended up being a game-time decision. He started. He went 24 minutes. He didn't have his best game. He had two points, six rebounds, four assists, but only took two shots. But I thought Nick Richards last night, he played meaningful minutes, and he was very physical. I liked that he was very physical in the paint. He was trying to command some space in there. That's something that a lot of young bigs don't do. They just kind of go in there and try to get to position. But it seemed like Nick Richards at a couple of times was trying to really force the issue there and kind of earn his spot in the paint. And that's what I really liked from his play last night. Well, I really liked his efficiency, obviously, finishing, going three for three, but I like how he attacked the rim. You know, he is a young, athletic big. He's got some ability down there. And listen, when you when you have the ball in the post and you're someone like a Nick Richards, your job is not to try and do the dream shake on everyone. Your job is to get ball, rise up, throw it down on whoever's in front of you. He did that. He did that well. Here's also an interesting wrinkle for you. The, the Hornets' small ball five grouping has done very well over the last couple of years. But P.J. Washington's absence due to injury has been noticeable. And last night, it's an interesting stat. You might look at the stat line and say, hey, Avita Zubat went for 14 points, 11 boards, double-double. Off the bench, Isaiah Hartenstein, he had nine points. You know, maybe the centers for the Clippers were dominant. It's interesting to look at the stat line because when you add together Mason Plumley and Nick Richards' minutes, and those two did not play together, so they're, they're completely – this is the time the Hornets have a true center on the floor. Roughly 38 minutes combined, they're a plus three. 
no center on the floor, it ends up being a minus 17. It's not to say that the, the small ball five unit shouldn't be used. It absolutely should be. It's a very efficient offensive option, and sometimes plus minus can be a, a misleading statistic. But when you look at these numbers, it's pretty glaring. When the center was on the floor, the Hornets were a positive. When there wasn't one on the floor, it was a big minus, as it turned out for Charlotte on this particular night. One of my other silver linings is Terry Rozier. Plumley the rebound, and he feels like running it up himself. Backdoor pass to Rozier. Beautiful find, and Rozier banks it off the window for two. That was Mason Plumley running point to the big man, Terry Rozier, in the post. Love it. 17-15, Charlotte. More of a Mason Plumley highlight, if anything. But Terry Rozier, 17 points last night. I mentioned it on the postgame show yesterday as well, Sam. You know, it took him 22 shots to get there. He was one of nine from beyond the arc. So not a great three-point shooting day, obviously, for Terry. But we've seen it time and time again. It takes a couple of games for these players that are coming off of injury to kind of really get going. And it seems like, based off what Terry has been able to do the last couple of games, is that he's really starting to round that corner to get back to the full scary Terry that we've seen in years past. I was really impressed with both Terry Rozier and Kelly Oubre Jr. And look, neither of them had their normal three-point shooting nights, and that's a big part of both of their games. Uh, Combined, they go two for 15. Most nights when two of your best three-point shooters combine to go two for 15, it's a lopsided loss. But tonight, the Hornets were in it for most of the time until that drought, and it was because of those two players finding ways to score the basketball. There are some three-point shooters, like Luke Kennard, for instance, for the L.A. Clippers. He went 6 of 11 from deep, 0 for 1 inside the three-point line. If he's not making threes, he's not that effective of a player on that particular night. There's a lot of guys like that in the NBA, and it's not a fatal flaw about those players. We're in an era where the three-point shot is extremely valuable, and those players went on are some of the best in the world, but they don't have a second option or at least don't typically show one. Both Terry Rozier and Kelly Oubre Jr. were able to identify, we're not shooting the ball that, that well from deep. we got to find another way to contribute and did. And so I was really impressed with that. You look at Terry Rozier's line, yeah, one for nine from three, that's not good. He was still seven of 13 from inside the arc and able to contribute 17 points. Similar for Kelly Oubre, one for six from beyond the arc. That's not what you're looking for. He was still six of eight from inside the three-point arc and had some really good assertive drives. So all in all, are the Hornets going to win a ton of games if those two combine to go two for 15 from three? Probably not. But they were still able to keep their team in it by finding other ways to score offensively. And I think that should give them some confidence and hopefully get them going into tonight's game against the Lakers. Yeah, 120-106, to the Hornets fall last night. Now a four-game losing streak, but of course, you know there are always some positives and some silver linings to take out of a loss, like we just mentioned. And, like Sam mentioned, we're back at it tonight. Hornets taking on the Los Angeles Lakers. We'll preview that matchup next for you here on the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta. Hornets fans, make sure you download the Hornets app this season for an enhanced game day experience. The Hornets app is your home for the game day digital program with all the information on your favorite team and giveaways every game day. You'll also find predictive games, mobile food ordering, and even a wallet for your NFTs. Download the Hornets app today. Yeah, it's still locked in, you know, got to have a next game attitude, so we're looking forward to the next game and try to get a win right there. 
Short, sweet, and simple from LaMelo Ball. Next game mentality, and we will have that tonight as the Hornets take on the Los Angeles Lakers. 10.30 tip time here locally in the Queen City, so another late night. So we will, of course, appreciate you staying up with us here on the Hornets Radio Network as we take a look at this one on the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta, Rob Longo, and Sam Farber with you today. And Sam, this is an interesting matchup for a multitude of reasons. Let's begin first taking a look at the Lakers. LA is 5-5 five and five on the season. They have had some interesting losses. They have lost twice to Oklahoma City. They are currently on a two-game losing streak because of one game against OKC. The other game came Saturday in Portland when they lost 105-90. to Not a lot of superstar power in this one expected either. You're not going to have any LeBron James, no Taylor Horton Tucker. Kendrick Nunn is also out. Anthony Davis is a questionable at the time of this podcast recording. He played seven minutes on Saturday, but he had a stomach bug, so he was listed as day-to-day. He is officially listed as questionable heading into this one. Again, the latest that we know of based on everything that we have heard. But it's an interesting wrinkle, Sam. You know, like Miles Bridges mentioned after last night's game, they're still trying to learn everybody. And this Lakers team is really retold from a season ago. So I guess if you're looking for a reason why Los Angeles is 5-5, five and five, it would be a combination of A, injuries and not being fully healthy, and B, they're still trying to learn everybody too. Yeah, the one player that the Hornets aren't going to need to learn too much is Malik Monk, who I'm happy to say has had pretty good games already in purple and gold. He's someone who obviously a first-round pick for the Hornets, had his ups and downs, but had, I thought, a really strong year last year. And Happy to see him having some success now with the Lakers and the team that ultimately most people believe will have a chance to compete for a title if they can remain healthy. But that's a big if right now. When you looked at the Lakers at the start of the season, you kind of baked into it that they were going to be without some of their aging superstars for different periods of time. That would happen this early. That would happen altogether. I doubt that was accounted for. So this is a portion of the schedule where the Lakers are maybe a little bit in survivor mode. The Hornets hopefully it will have an opportunity to take advantage of that. You know, Anthony Davis right now, as of this recording, is more on the question questionable side. So, you know, you, you always love to see the stars of the game, but it certainly wouldn't make the Hornets too upset to not have to deal with one of the arguably five or at the very least 10 best players in the association. LeBron James will miss this one. Uh, and they're still going to have Russell Westbrook over there. So it's a very talented roster. It will be interesting to see how the Hornets handle it. I, for the most part, believe right now the Charlotte's best course of action. You can't be too concerned with the opposition. Obviously, there's scouting reports and things to attest to, but you can't look at and say, well, they're not a very good three-point shooting team, so we can take this part of our game off. They need to go out there and play their game. They need to play a really strong defensive-minded contest with a lot of energy, a lot of enthusiasm, attack the glass, attack on defense, and then go out there and play their game offensively. They're getting their shots. They're scoring a lot of points. This right now is more about the Hornets and less about who they're playing. Saturday's game was an interesting one for the Lakers. The starters did not fare very well at all. Nobody scored in double digits. From beyond the arc, the starters at least went one of five. The bench did a lot of the heavy lifting. Again, just a very poor shooting night overall for Los Angeles against the Trailblazers. Lakers did end up with 59 rebounds, though, so they did win the rebounding battle for what it's worth. Sam, give me one statistic, one player to watch for heading into tonight's game. Well, I'll go Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook is one of the elite talents in the game, the triple-double king of all time at this stage, and maybe he'll put that record so far out of everyone 
that no one will be able to catch him. But he had one of the worst games of his career against Portland. There's no getting around it. He was 1-for-13 from the field. That one was a 3. This is one of the all-time greats. He plays with such energy and passion. He is going to be angry when he gets on the Staples Center floor against the Hornets. And maybe he'll be the only star out there. I'd like to assume, for the sake of argument, he'll be one of two. But regardless, Russell Westbrook is perfectly capable of taking over an NBA game, just as he has done for over a decade. So he is going to come with a lot of drive. It's going to be on the Hornets to try and keep him in front of them, have some backline defenders. They're going to have to keep him out of the paint. It's been a little too easy for some players, quite frankly, to get in there against them. If Russell Westbrook is able to find driving lanes, this could become a long night in a hurry. So to me, for the Lakers, Russell Westbrook is far and away the player to watch. I'm going to go with Anthony Davis. That's a big if, obviously, since he is listed as questionable, but it would be a really intriguing matchup seeing how Miles Bridges and Mason Plumley, and at this point, probably Nick Richards as well, would handle a guy like Anthony Davis, a superstar in the front court that we've seen for so many years and how dominant that he has been for such a long time. So if Anthony Davis is fully healthy, we didn't really get a chance to see him at all last season against the Hornets, so I'm interested to see how a Miles Bridges and a Mason Plumlee would match up against him. On the other side for the Hornets, what is your one stat, your one player to look for for tonight to kind of be that X factor or just a player to watch? Well, I think this is a lot less about the Lakers again. I think it's more about the Hornets and how they handle this. Charlotte went 0-2 against the Lakers last year. One of those games, LeBron James did not play in. In both of those games, Anthony Davis did not play in. So as big as the star power is for the Lakers, they were able to get by with some of the reserve players. And a lot of those reserves have cycled through. There's some different faces now in Laker purple and gold than there were before. But I really think this is on Charlotte to circle the wagons and go out there and try and play collectively a good big game. They really could use one right now from some of their stars just to go out there and and have a good shooting night. So the one player specifically I'm looking at to have a big game though is is Gordon Hayward. He missed one of the games against the Lakers down the stretch due to injury. Didn't play particularly well in Los Angeles against the Lakers. Seven points, nine rebounds, ten assists. I should say didn't score the ball well because obviously he did a lot of other things well. Charlotte needs to lean on a veteran right now and I think Gordon Hayward might be that guy. He's playing well so far on the road trip 15 plus points in all three games and he's made multiple threes now in a career best eight consecutive games so I think he is shooting the ball well right now opportunity there for him to try and help the Hornets out of this coming into the road trip Rob we talked about it Charlotte if they went two and three I'd say it was a good road trip considering the quality of the competition and how difficult the travel was but one and four would be okay knowing that they're going to go to Memphis that's a tough travel schedule third game in four days, this might be the one most likely to win. So looking on Gordon Hayward to try and lead the troops out of this losing streak and into the winner's circle. Hornets currently on a four-game losing streak, also on a five-game losing streak against the Los Angeles Lakers. The last win coming back in Los Angeles, in fact, January 5th, 2018, a 108-94 win. Tip-off tonight on the Hornets radio network is at 10.30, so another late night, but you can stay up with Sam and I. So with that said, Sam, I'll let you get some rest, and thank you for joining me on today's edition of the HHC. My pleasure, and we look forward to talking to everyone late at night, energy drinks, coffee for all, We'll have a call for you starting at 10.30 Eastern tonight on the Hornets Radio Network.
I might have to break my rule and maybe try to dip my toes into some coffee. What do you think about that, Sam? Hey, first time for everything. And if you if it works, then clearly you have been screwing this up the entire time, and you will be caffeinated for the rest of the season. Don't hold me to it. But with that said, we'll see you here at ten thirty. Myself and Sam Hurley will break this one down for you following tonight's game. Again, ten thirty tip off at Staples Center for Sam Farber. I'm Rob Longo saying thank you so much for listening to today's edition of the Hornet Hivecast, and we'll catch you tomorrow right here on the HHC, brought to you by Senta. Thank you for listening to the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. For more coverage, visit hornets.com.